This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike him, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda Time here on the College Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings. And your boy had way too many Daddy Sodas four days in a row. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Not ideal. Wouldn't recommend it. Now, it's a heck of a lot of fun when you're doing it. But paying the price this morning, that's okay, though, because the show must go on. I love talking about football. I love breaking down prospects. And I love my guy, Emery Hunt. It is AFC South Day here on the College Draft Podcast. You can check me out on social, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. The key is, and I've noticed a lot of you have been watching the clips, YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. YouTube also where you can check out Emery. He's kind of a YouTube god. Football game plan on YouTube, at F-Ball game plan on Twitter. And, of course, if you're still curious about the undrafted free agents that your team got or other things that we don't get a chance to go over here on the College Draft Podcast, you can still get footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide and it's it's a cool time of year emory to be doing this because you're starting to get a little bit of bites and nibbles of information coming out of some of these rookie camps and otas although a lot of these teams man it seems like they've really dialed back the intensity so you're not getting a great feel for how these rookies are performing thus far yeah, and, and it's shocking because, again, if you're a rookie or undrafted guy, you kind of want things to be a little bit normal for you so you can show off your skill set and make an impact or an impression. Uh, but at least we now know that, um, you know, these 90-man rosters are, are sort of locked in. And it was also surprising that a lot of teams haven't signed the abundance of undrafted free agents that we're used to seeing uh, in, a normal, in a normal year. Yeah, I guess I read somewhere – where they're still waiting on some guidance as to how many guys they will be elected, they will be allowed to bring to training camp. But yeah, yeah I, I don't see why it wouldn't be 90 at this point. But I also, not to go down that road, but I also don't understand why these guys aren't all fully vaccinated so they don't have to wear masks and get tested every day. But uh, everybody has a right to their own opinion, I suppose. Right, right, wrong, and different, right? It seemed like that would be the easiest thing to do um, if you're, you know, if you're a player, like, man, let's let's get vaccinated so we don't have to test like we had to test all throughout the pandemic season. Don't really understand that. 90-man uh, rosters, we'll see. We'll see. I, I would think that they would do that, but that maybe they'll wait the next two months. They got two months to see how things go 
with the offseason program. It is interesting, you know, the less OTAs they have, you know, a lot of these teams have, like, had negotiations between the players and the coaches, and they've kind of gotten rid of mandatory minicamp, some of them. I know some of the teams, like, they negotiated that they're just wearing flip-flops out there. So that way, you know, because, you know, let me explain this, okay? I think people know this, Emery. I know you do. What happens is anytime the camera is on, you know that you are being evaluated. So they can say, just have it be a teaching tempo. But as soon as you are going against the defense, as soon as it's a one-on-one or 11-on-11 or 7-on-7, that guy wants to have a favorable evaluation. He wants to look better than you. He's going to go a little bit harder than you. So then you're going to ratchet up your intensity a little bit. He ratchets his up. You ratchet yours up. It just keeps until you're basically going full speed just without pads. I mean, that that's how it ends up going. And I, I, I do think that that's an understandable goal for the veteran NFL players to not have to want to deal with that. I guess the flip side I would say to that is those guys don't have to go. It's voluntary. Well, listen, I, I learned my first week of two days in college. Uh, voluntary doesn't mean voluntary. Now, after a, a you know couple days of a two-a-day practice, freshman year, I'm like, Whew, I'm, I'm kind of tired. And the coach like, well, you know, workouts is voluntary in between, you know, these two of these. So I was like, all right, cool, voluntary. That means if you want to. So I went in the locker room and took a nap. Six minutes into my nap, strength coach comes in there. What are you doing? I'm like, yo, you, coach said voluntary. From that day on, anything that meant voluntary actually meant mandatory. Learn my lesson. And you're right. Once the camera is on, evaluation starts. There's no you know, half speed or 75%, nah, it's full speed. That's tape out there. Six minutes into the nap. Oh, man, that's amazing. All right, so today we've got the AFC South, which is a very, very interesting division. And, you know, we say it every week. Look, we spend so much time leading up to the draft. The least we can do is go over each team's draft and all of the drafted players. And Emery knows more about the undrafted guys than anybody. Anybody. You start a whole new business called Undrafted's R Us or something like that because <laughs> nobody knows what Emery knows. All right, let's get to the Texans. They only had five picks. It's an interesting draft uh, because I know they got a couple guys you really liked. We've talked about him before. They had two third-round picks, Davis Mills and Nico Collins, who, I don't know, played like a combined eight college games total. It's unbelievable. Both highly recruited, highly touted, very talented, Emory. Yeah, and if you're Nico Collins, man, you're ecstatic that you got drafted in the third round because you went down to the Senior Bowl and was able to show no rust no you know uh lack of preparation you went down there and had a really good week of work and for a guy that's a bigger receiver that has the athleticism i think that week down there in mobile played itself out well for him because he was able to showcase hey i didn't lose much i still have some upside uh, even though i took the year off 
I was out there working and got himself drafted. For Davis Mills, I think he was a direct beneficiary of the pro day process. Not much traveling going on. Uh, so we were starving for football content. Stanford, uh, you know, televised their pro day. And it's easy for quarterbacks to look good in a pro day session, especially when you have, you know, networks commentating on pro day throws, kind of ratcheted up his stock. Because like you say, he barely played a lot of games and had an injury history, but found himself not only getting drafted in the third round, but going to a spot where he has a chance to compete for a starting job with Tyrod Taylor there with the uncertainty of the Sean Watson situation. They also signed Jeff Driscoll recently. They traded for Ryan Finley. They are all in on quarterbacks that are not very good. I mean, they are all in. Ryan Finley, what did they trade? I need to look that up. He's one of the worst starting quarterbacks I've ever seen. I'm sure he's a great kid, nice kid, awesome college career, but goodness gracious. All right, in the fifth round, they got two guys I thought would have gone higher, Emery, and I think you thought as well. Miami tight end Brevin Jordan and TCU linebacker Garrett Wallow, who I know was a favorite of yours. Yeah, to me, those two picks saved the Texans draft because Brevin Jordan, ridiculously talented flex tight end or H-back. I think people soured on him because he didn't test like Kyle Pitts, but who does test like Kyle Pitts? But Brevin Jordan was very productive uh, for Miami, especially you know in the passing game. And you know how I felt about Garrett Wallow, number one inside linebacker, former high school safety turned inside backer, still has safety-like athleticism and safety-like instincts and eyes from the second level. And so to me, I think Wallow is going to end up starting as a rookie for Lovey Smith. He is exactly what they want or he wants at the inside backer position. So I thought they got a steal there. And Jordan, even though the Texans have some work withable tight ends, they, they have some talent there at the, in, that, in that tight end room. I'm interested to see how he's utilized and able to get on the field. Anything noteworthy about either Roy Lopez, the D tackle from Arizona in the sixth round, or any of their undrafted guys, Emery? I, I'm looking at their roster, and they signed Ryan <clears throat> Ryan McCollum out of Texas A&M. I loved his tape. I thought he was versatile enough to play guard or tackle. Uh, they have him listed as a center, so that shows you what they think about his versatility. Uh, but I thought he should have gotten drafted over a couple of his teammates. Uh, so I thought that was a really good pickup for them, kind of helped bolster their grade, in my opinion. All right, let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they've got a pretty good roster as it is. And with the 21st pick, they took back-to-back edge guys to start the their draft. Round one, they took Quiddy Pay, the edge rusher for Michigan. Seemed like they were mixed opinions on him. Round two, uh, Deo Adibingo, oh, Adibingo from the DN from Vanderbilt. That When did he get hurt? January? He got hurt during the pre-draft process. Yeah, and tore his Achilles, so he won't be available this year at all. Um, so it's kind of a wait-and-see type pick, a futures pick, so to speak, to bring back an old-school reference. But you're right with Quiddy Pay. I think, you know, for him, for well, let's from my perspective, it was a guy that's very active. That looks like he's doing a lot. Um, and I know nowadays the in vogue thing is to talk about pressures and you know and, and things of that nature. But to me, pressures sound a lot like 
not getting there, you know, and, and sometimes you want guys to, to close the deal. And granted, some pressures make sense where you're moving guys off the spot, you're forcing a bad throw. I get that part of that point of pressures, but you kind of want to see guys finish the drill. And I thought for pay, it was mostly a lot of activity and not a lot of productivity. And Odingbo, I like a lot, but you won't see him this year. And that's your first two picks. So I kind of thought they they could have gone, gone better or done better in better directions uh, with those first two picks in a, a draft. That was really, you know, you had Joe Tryon sitting there and they let Tryon go down to Tampa Bay when I thought he probably would have given them more bang for their buck right away. The next two picks, I don't know much about. Kylan Granson, tight end from SMU. I never even heard of that guy. And then Sean Davis, the safety from Florida. Now, those two picks I like. Granson is your classic flex tight end. It's kind of like Trey Burton. You know, an H-back type that, that can really get down the seam, get down the field. You see him sacrificing for catches all the time. So he has good receiving skills. You expect him to have that coming out of that SMU offense. So I like that fit. I just wonder where he's going to fit in amongst a Mo Alley Cox and a Jack Doyle, two guys that are, seem to be prominent in their offense at that position. So, you know, it's, he's he's going to be the third guy. Uh, and Sean Davis is impactful. I'm talking about he gets from, you know, ha, you know, has to sideline or has to alley really quickly and explodes into the runner. The question you have about him is health. Can he stay healthy? He missed some time in, I believe, 2018 and last year. You want him to be out there on the field. It seems like the Colts – always are the landing spots for safeties with, you know, uh, injury history. You had Bob Sanders, Malik Hooker, and now Sean Davis. But all three were talented. You just hope that they can be out there to maximize that talent. That's a good point. Is Malik Hooker even on a team right now? I don't know that he is. All right. I, I don't know. So two things about Malik Hooker, man, while we're on the Colts. Unbelievable high school basketball player. Um, I saw him in the state championship game. They won it for Newcastle. By the way, never played a down of football in his life till his junior year of wow. high school. Kind of like uh, Adafe Owe from Penn State. Didn't play a down till junior year. But in one year as a starter at Ohio State, Hooker had like 25 interceptions that one year. It was unbelievable. He had like two a game. It was crazy. Just hasn't really been. It's interesting how often he gets injured given how little wear and tear he has. You know, like, he didn't play till junior high school. He didn't play much his first two years at Ohio State. In his third year, he was unreal. He goes pro, and he's a first-round pick. He hasn't really played that much football. All right, their last three picks, Sam Ellinger, the quarterback from Texas. Mike, uh, is it Strachan? I'm not sure. Strong. It's Strachan. Strachan, the uh, wide receiver from Charleston, West Virginia, D2. And then Will Fries, uh, really a guard tackle from Penn State. Yeah, I didn't understand the Ellinger pick because, I mean, you drafted a quarterback last year in Jacob Eason, and you can argue, you know, with your, with your cousin if Ellinger or Jacob Eason is the guy. We, we, we know Wentz is the guy there. Uh, so I didn't understand the, the, nece- the, nece- uh, the necessary need for um, getting a quarterback. Strong, I really like. You know, and first of all, we need to take a trip to – you know, University of Charleston in West Virginia. Cousin Daniels, three years ago, was with the Bucks. Last uh, two years ago, the Falcons drafted John Kaminsky 
from Charleston who played down the Senior Bowl. This year, Mike Strong is drafted, and Kenny Randall, the defensive tackle from uh, Charleston, who we'll talk about later with Jacksonville, is with the Jags, signed as an undrafted free agent. What is going on at Charleston for them to produce all of these pro prospects? I need to find out. It's a really good point, Emery. That's a lot of guys for a D2 program. A lot of guys. They're doing something right, either in the evaluation process or the development process. And I'll tell you what, Penn State did something right by moving Fries to guard last year. He would not have gotten drafted at tackle. He went into guard and played pretty well and showed he can play both and gives you a chance to be a guy that provides depth at both guards, both tackles. Um, what did you like about Strong? 6'5", 225, plays his height. He's explosively fast, so he can get down a seam in an instant. He could be a deep threat in addition to being a, a strong red zone threat. And this was someone that had, I always like to talk about having a great sense of timing. So when the team needed a big play in a passing game, he made it. You know, And he also has really good nuance for being such a taller guy. Like I'm talking about his release off the line of scrimmage, his ability to stack and track the football going downfield. He's not afraid of contact, so he plays big like I talked about and has the speed that matches up well with the NFL level. So he's bigger, taller, faster, explosive, dynamic. I think he's going to surprise some as a rookie and make some plays. Let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They had a bunch of picks. You know, I don't I don't want to spend time on Trevor Lawrence, but I do want to ask you, you know, evidently Travis Etienne in their first mini camp, Emory, he was exclusively played at wide receiver. Did you and I asked Greg Cosell this last week on the Ross Tucker football podcast because I was curious. Is he that good? Like, is, is he that good of a receiver that he could actually do that? Or do you think they're just doing that so he becomes a better receiver for them out of the backfield? I think it's the latter point, Ross, because we know he can run the football. Give him a lane, he's gone, right? But now you see, okay, mini camp, rookie mini camp, where you're there for, what, two, two three days on the field? Uh, so let's get him some work knowing the offense. Um as a receiver in the passing game, let's develop him there because we know he can run. We know if we hand him the football, ain't much you know, nuance in the run game in terms of what you need to know and what you need to do, uh, more so blocking than than actually the run plays. So why not spend some of that time, uh, that limited time that you have with him, developing him in a different asset? So now when he comes back to OTAs and, and veteran minicamp, he's going to be more apt to understand the totality of the offense as opposed just knowing what he has to do from tackle to tackle. Yeah, throw him out there in the slot now. Let him get activated in working space, uh, running routes, catching the football out away from his body. Get him that work because we know what he can do when you just hand him the football. And and so you think he can do a lot of those receiver things? We saw him this year grow in that area uh, with Clemson, and that's one of the reasons why he went back to work on the, the passing element of his of his game. And, yeah, I think he can do so to the point where I'm not saying he's going to be Marshall Falk to where you just line him up and just let him just go, but he's going to be someone that you can trust out there in a matchup situation. And it also gives you the opportunity to get both backs on the field at the same time to where defensive you know uh, personnel has to adjust. So you get Robinson on the field and Etienne on the field. Now you don't know if it's a run play or a pass play. And if it's a pass play, 
your linebacker really can't cover uh, Travis Etienne that's now a polished route runner or a polished receiver coming out of the backfield. Round two was Tyson Campbell from Georgia and Walker Little from Stanford. We talked about Walker Little in our preseason show, how he quietly was one of the better tackles in uh, in college football in the Pac-12, but he just hadn't played a lot. Injury concerns, and he opted out this year. And so it, health permitting, I think they got to steal with Walker Little. And Campbell is an athletic guy, long, lengthy, press corner, um, can run with anybody. That seems to be what Urban Meyer is trying to build out there in the secondary. But I, I would keep an eye on Walker Little. Health, you know, notwithstanding, if he's 100%, man, they got a good one in him because I really like his game. Rounds three, four, and five. You got Andre Sisco, the safety from Syracuse. Uh, Jay Tufelay, the D-tackle from USC. Jordan Smith, the edge rusher from UAB. And Luke Farrell, the tight end from Ohio State. Yeah, I didn't know Luke Farrell was in this draft class, so I didn't have a grade on him. I thought he went back to Ohio State. But you talk about uh, Andre Sisco, just like Walker Little. Health permitting, he is the class of the safety position to me. This is someone that, that carried a first-round grade. I had a high grade on Cisco, but he had a freak injury, um, you know, pregame where he tore his ACL. So you're hoping that he's coming back healthy. But if he's out there 100%, he is tremendous, can play any safety spot, can also match up in the slot. Tufeli is an upfield penetrator, quick off the ball, can be disruptive. That's something they sorely need um, on the interior. And so if you're looking at Jordan Smith, Long, lengthy, can set a physical edge. You know, he's 6'7". I think his upside is as a pass rusher. He can drop back in the shallow zone area and uh, and really thrive there also. So it gives you some work withable tools uh, for a guy that's 6'7", about 255. Emery, what, you know, you mentioned Luke Farrell. Is there is there any faith that you have that Tim Tebow as a tight end can work out? Like, your, what, what are your thoughts? Let's just be objective. Your thoughts on Tim Tebow trying to be a tight end in the NFL? I didn't see an issue with the tight end room, first of all. I like Tyler Davis, who they drafted last year out of Georgia Tech. I'm a big fan of James O'Shaughnessy, who they took, you know, who got into the league as a, as a drafted guy out of Illinois State, and he has some athleticism. I like Ben Ellison. You know, this guy out of North Dakota State can play H-back. I think he's very good and deserves more of an opportunity. So I didn't see the issue there. I thought they were solid at tight end. So it's going to be an uphill battle for Tebow. Now, where I feel strongly about Tebow is the fact that if you want to talk about someone that that got railroaded out of the league, uh, I think he should have been allowed to be the backup to Peyton Manning when they brought him in and still worked on his game because clearly he had some it to his game that allowed them to to be successful and, and win games. So let's continue to work on his passing and work on his ability to get him where you need him to be throwing the football. So his whole story is is sad in and of itself. But the tight end, I think, is going to be tough because they have a pretty solid depth chart right now, in my opinion, at that position. It's interesting. I talked with Cassius Marsh, the outstanding special teamer and edge rusher for the Steelers, for today's Ross Tucker football podcast, and I said – if the Steelers had signed Tebow to play tight end, what would be your mindset if he was lined up across from you trying to block him? He said, abuse this man. Like, 
the guys take look. They they want to beat anybody trying to block them, but they in their mind they cannot let a quarterback block them. Like in their mind, he's a quarterback, and like over their dead body, they're gonna let him. Like they, they are going to. I, I just hope he knows what he's signing up for. I said it before. They they are going to be very aggressive with him physically, and that. Those techniques as a tight end or H-back or fullback, how to make those blocks, those are different things to learn. And if you're not real familiar with them, you're going to get ear hole. Like you're going to get hit bad. And that's the part I, I have when people quickly want to move uh, every, you know, oh, yeah, just put them in a slot. Like you know, every running back, yeah, put them in a slot, let them run routes. Like, bro, you realize you move him to that spot, he now has to beat – cornerbacks and not linebackers there's difference in techniques involved in playing different positions um you just can't ask a wide receiver to gain some weight and play tight end so you damn sure can't ask a quarterback to go and play tight end that hadn't done it before we saw Blake Bell get eased into that tight end position while at Oklahoma we saw you know um I think it was Jay Reemersma or uh, you know that was with at Michigan. Yeah, and, way back in the day. Wow, back. nice pull, Emory. You know what I'm saying? And then go to Buffalo and grow into that position. So you we've seen it happen, but it takes time. Um, you just can't. You, you you see it recently. You can't move defensive linemen to offensive linemen and expect them to start right away. Rashad Coward did that with the Bears. It takes time to get acclimated to the different techniques of the position. I want to say this though: Jacksonville undrafted free agents. They killed it in that realm. Uh, they they had undrafted free agent hall that was better than some team's classes with some of the dudes they picked up. Interesting. Okay. What about the Tennessee Titans? We talked a lot about Caleb Farley, their first round pick and the multiple back surgeries. Day two, they took Dylan Reduntz, the OT from North Dakota State, Monty Rice, the linebacker from Georgia, and Elijah Molden, the cornerback from Washington. Them adding Molden and Farley aced it for me. Those are two guys that are always around the football. Ball skills, ball instincts, ball awareness, football IQ. Give me those guys on the back end. That's the playmakers. Those are guys that make it tough to throw the football against any secondary. And when you combine those two with the health of Christian Fulton, who they drafted last year in the first round, I believe, or second round, man, their secondary got better. And I think their secondary is going to be good. Health permitting, once again, that seems to be the theme with the ARC South draft. When we're talking about these prospects. But if Farley is healthy, Farley is a lockdown corner with ball skills that's, that has upside. He was a receiver coming into Virginia Tech. Um, so he still, quote-unquote, is a neophyte in terms of playing a position, but he played it well. Molden just understands ball um, and understands zone coverage, understands spatial awareness. He just, he just gets it from a, a – passing coverage standpoint and he could turn the ball over so give me all of those guys right away and, and Rice I believe is a is more of a uh, depth guy uh, you know I think he's going to be a special teams ace it just kind of reminds me of what they have already um, and David Long uh, out of West Virginia so I thought they replicated that effort there uh, but I love those two cornerback selections there and Raiden's the, the tackle plug and play you come from North Dakota State where it's run game defense, and you go to Tennessee where it's run game defense, it's a plug-and-play guy, right? We, he's going to start as a rookie. 
Round four, they got a couple guys I heard a lot about uh, leading up to the process. Des Fitzpatrick, the receiver from Louisville, and Rashad Weaver, the DN from Pitt. Yeah, Rashad Weaver and his teammate, um, I forgot his name, but they were bookends at, at Patrick Pitt. Jones? Patrick Jones. Both guys played well off each other, and Weaver, I think, has more of the heavy hands that the sets of physical edge, strong edge, um, and does a good job versus the run. Has a little bit more pass rushing savvy than Jones. Jones is like a twitchy guy that can that you know he splashes with those 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 big plays like that. Uh, but I like Weaver. Weaver is consistent. He's solid. He's going to be someone that's dependable. And and Fitzpatrick is a pros pro already as a rookie. He just goes about his business, runs his routes very well, consistently. Uh, no flash, but is consistent in that regard. Uh, but also is is consistent in catching the football. There's no issues, I feel like, with Fitzpatrick. And I think he's going to be someone that's going to see a lot of minutes as a rookie. Finally, round six, they had two picks. Brady Breeze, the safety from Oregon, and a guy that you were the first person I ever heard bring him up. Racy McMath, the receiver from LSU. Last summer, you talked about Racy a lot going into the season. Yeah, Racy is someone, you go back to his high school tape, Tremendous athlete, explosive, fast. LSU, we know about their receiving core and their depth chart, so he was more of a special teams guy. They got a little bit of playing time at wideout, so the upside is through the roof with him. He's going to be someone that's going to be a better pro than he was at Collegian, but we know at worst he's going to be a core special teamer, maybe a gunner um, you know, on coverage units, uh, but that's someone that's going to get better as – he gets more acclimated with the pro game, gets more reps. So I'm excited to see him. And Breeze is another one of these core special teams. He was on all special teams at Oregon. So you, what I love about the draft now, and I really started to incorporate that within, you know, my process scouting and, and grading. Uh, when you look at guys and you look at, do they play special teams? How many special teams they're on and how consistent are they in those roles? Man, that's how you also strengthen yourself in the draft. You can draft guys that teams maybe like or players maybe people maybe like, I don't know about this guy. Well, you know, they were drafting him specifically to bolster their special teams because that's a third of the game. And if you can win at least two out of the three aspects of a game, you're gonna win a lot of football games. And special teams is so critical, especially in coverage units and also in a return game. Here's what everybody needs to do. Please subscribe to youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. So you get all of the other shows that we produce and the highlight clips. If nothing else, just check out the highlight clips. Or you can check them out on social, at Ross Tucker Pod. Follow Emery at F-Ball Game Plan or Football Game Plan on YouTube. And get 40 to 1 odds on any basketball game this week over at the DraftKings Sportsbook. 40 to 1 odds. On any team in any basketball game. I mean, come on. There's some that you have a pretty good idea who's going to win those games. Go ahead and put five bucks on one. You can turn it into $200. That's promo code Ross. Limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Other than that, AFC West next week as we close out the AFC. The keg is kicked. We are all tapped out.
Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109WITHIT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.